Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How do you bring your character back from the dead? You know, I, I kind of was scratching my head going, I wonder if this is disrespectful to the audience or is it going to be hokey, you know? And I had a talk with a... Uh, a veteran producer friend of mine, and he said, you know how rare it is for, you know, a studio to change the timeline to bring back the character? He's like, you know, this is this is very rare in Hollywood, and you should really embrace it. It means that the, the character is really popular with the fans, and he's like, can't discredit that. And I was like, let's go for it, you know? It's like, what a great opportunity. Ask any podcaster, any real podcaster. It doesn't matter if you record in person or over video chat. Podcasting's podcasting. Welcome back to EW's Binge of the Fast Saga, full transcripts of which are available on EW.com. I'm Derek Lawrence, aka the guy who went as Dominic Toretto for two straight Halloweens. As that icon once said, the most important thing in life will always be the people in this Zoom, right here, right now. And for me, that's the Dom to my Brian, the Letty to my Mia, the Roman to my Tej, the Giselle to my Han. Chanel Berlin Johnson. Chanel, are you ready to go down the longest runway in history to talk Fast and Furious 6? Yes, yes. Uh, I hope I have the stamina to make it down this extremely long runway. Uh, But actually, I have to say, after looking back at this movie and then talking about it, I feel like this one is pretty underrated in the franchise. So, so stoked to get into it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I even brought that up to Sung. I think it's, you know, it falls in between... Fast Five, which, as we talked about last week, may be the greatest film in film history. And then after it is Seven, which obviously we all know the tragic circumstances, you know, Mm -hmm. that happened on that one. And, you know, we all, you know, are so attached to it because that was our goodbye to Paul Walker and O'Brien that Fast Six just kind of gets lost a bit. Yeah, exactly. We're here to help you find it again because, no, this is definitely one uh, worth revisiting and kind of maybe reevaluating if you haven't thought about it that much. Um, but as a refresher to any new listeners, you know, in case you're just a big tank guy, uh, ahead of F9's June 25th release, we're binging all of the Fast movies with the family themselves. We've already chatted about the first five installments, so you can go back and check out our interviews with Vin Diesel, Ludacris, Lucas Black, Justin Lin, and Jordana Brewster. But today, not only is Justice here, but so is Sung Kang. Yes, the hey. man behind our beloved Han is talking Fast 6 with us and a, a lot more. That we, I feel like this is... Maybe we covered more ground, fittingly, in a movie yes. that covers so much, covered so much <laughs> runway. We covered more ground than on any other episode. So it's truly yeah. a great one. Um, but before we get into today's must-listen chat with Sung, Chanel, what do people need to remember about this sixth installment, which originally appeared to be the last one for both Sung and director Justin Lin? Yeah, what a what a switcheroo on us now <laughs> that we know how things go. Um, all right, so but even before we get to what happens eventually to Han's character, the thrust of this movie is like Letty's back. Like that's the catalyst for all of the action. Uh, the audience already knows that she's alive, but this is where we see everyone else find out. Um, she's got amnesia. She's running with Owen Shaw's crew, and Owen is all up to all kinds of criminal behavior on a large scale <laughs> in a way that is causing problems for a lot of people, including, of course 
course, um, uh, Hobbs. And we get to see what really happened to her. That's how we find out that she's got the amnesia too. And it's sort of like a fun flashback comparison to like that crazy CSI Sherlock Holmesy scene that Dom does by just like touching the asphalt um, to see that really she kind of got blown away from that big explosion. And that's why she's still here. And Hobbs reaches out to Dom's to Dom and his crew for help. Um, and he kind of knows that he'll be motivated both by Letty returning, but also the promise of full pardons for everyone. Cause of course everybody's in places with no extradition after Rio. Um, so a good reason to get the team back together. Something that I forgot about is that Gina Carano has such a huge part <laughs> in this movie. Uh, she's a double agent though. Don't trust her. Um, and good, good I, rule, good rule for Gina Carano. I'll just say, don't, don't <laughs> yeah, trust her. Yeah. Works out naturally there. Uh, but yes, all of the action culminates in, of course, the longest runway ever built, conceived, performed upon in movie history. Uh, and that's where we unfortunately lose both or where we lose Giselle and eventually lose Han because he goes to Tokyo. And then we are introduced to Deckard Shaw, brother of Owen, who is out for revenge on Dom and his crew, which sets up Furious 7. Man, I oh. That was a mouthful, but you, you you somehow got it all in. There's there's yeah. a lot uh, there's a lot in this one, and, and a lot to talk about. And we get into most of it with Sung, but what we don't touch on with him uh, will be after the interview. Chanel and, and I will, as always, jump back on and uh, hand out some awards that allow us to further talk through uh, what happened in Fast Six. But until then, let's ride into our conversation with Sung Kang. Remember the second you go through those doors. Everything changes. Our old life is done. Come on, this ain't the Boy Scouts. This is what we do. And what we do is have Sung Kang Han himself on to talk about Fast and Furious 6. Welcome to our binge of Fast and Furious. Thanks, Eric. It's good to be here. I'm so excited to talk Fast 6, which, I mean, I've seen it so many times, but rewatching ahead of talking to you, I'm convinced this one's now underrated. I feel like it's because it's sandwiched right between 5 and 7. Like, you know, five, obviously, I think a lot of people like, you know, five might be my favorite movie of all time, like not just fast movie. And then like, you know, seven was such a big one as well. Um, I mean, for you, what's the first thing you think of when you when you think back to uh, Fast Six? Fast Six was it was kind of like the last time everybody was really together, you know, so that's that movie is really special because we got to spend a lot of time together as a group and in the UK and um, yeah I mean I, I remember we had a Thanksgiving dinner while we were in London and you know it was a really special time I think it was last time as a cohesive group we were able to hang out together like that you know that's beautiful I love that you guys had yeah. Thanksgiving dinner I I've heard you talk about in previous interviews that you guys also um, got to hang out a lot after filming for five. So was this like sort of a carryover, you know, just a reunion feeling of like, oh, like everybody, the whole family's here. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're on location like that and you guys are housed close to each other, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to hang out after you know, after work. So you know, we, we, London's a great place because there's so much to do. There's so much culture and you know, so many pubs to go to. And um, yeah, it was a nice carryover, really. I mean, five was the film that we were all in Puerto Rico together. So it kind of felt like we were in a big dorm. And it's the first time that we really got to know each other, you know, and hang out and become really good friends. And then six was a, was an automatic carryover. First off, a great man once said, you know, he lives his life a quarter mile at a time, you know, nothing else matters for those 10 seconds or less. He's free. So how would you 
How would you sum up Fast Six in 10 seconds? Oh, that's so hard, Derek. <laughs> I originally was going to do 30, but like 10 just felt like, you know, it had to be done for, for this franchise. How do you sum up Fast Six in 10 seconds? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> Come on, that's a question you needed to send me like a week ago. God, I don't. Well, let me ask you, how would you sum it up? And then how would you sum it up? Because I, get, because it's, I don't know if I can do it in 10 seconds. How would you sum it up in 10 seconds? I feel like I'd go a tank, a long runway, in tears. I don't know. I don't know. That was like less than 10 <laughs> seconds and that didn't really give much away of the movie. But Yeah, I know. I wasn't prepared too. I, I should have sent myself that question. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, God, that's a tough one. That's a really, really tough one. Um, if it takes you 15, I, will, I won't count it against you if, if you end up at 15. You know okay. what I mean? Like, All right, ready? Yep. Okay. Love, loss. That's it. I think those two words are enough. Love I think and loss. so. I think so. Yeah, Especially yeah. when it comes to, uh, to Han, that uh, yeah. is kind of dead on. Yeah. I mean, we're, we'll dig really deep into, into six, but you know, I feel like we should start by going back. So obviously you and Justin first worked together on better luck tomorrow, you know, yeah. which you guys debuted Han. Um, so how does the conversation initially start of, you know, not only you being in Tokyo drift, but you playing Han again. Um, well, when Tokyo Drift came along, uh, Justin had given me and a couple of the other actors from Better Look Tomorrow call to have lunch. And just to break the news, you know, it was like, hey, I got this great opportunity to direct this movie called Fast and Furious. <laughs> They're like, what? Right? <laughs> like, what? And Better Look Tomorrow, if you go back to the movie, we actually he actually references Fast and Furious yep. and Better yep. Look Tomorrow, right? And the idea that, you know, a film that we kind of grew up on and watched on screen that we get to be a part of was crazy. I mean, when we shot Better Luck Tomorrow, I remember our craft service was a box of Entenmann donuts and five sticks of Wrigley Spirit Mint Gum that was spread out, like five <laughs> little sticks, right? And then when Justin actually had the opportunity to direct Tokyo Drift, he had a production office with the production staff with extra chairs and he had his own little mini fridge. I mean, we would close the door and just start freaking out and pinch ourselves. You know, look where we come from, right? Coming from this little film, Better Luck Tomorrow to the actual inside the gates of the Universal Studios. Um, and when Justin first approached or spoke about Tokyo Drift, you know, he was telling me and the other uh, actors that there really isn't a role for us in the film, right? Um, it was kind of it just felt, you know, Justin's really honest and he, he trusts his guts and it, it's, it's really about casting for him. You know, that's what he was taught. It's casting, casting, casting. And even though he's our friend and, um, you know, our bro in a way, um, you know, he just wanted to say, hey, you know, there's certain structures within the film that, you know, you guys don't fit and, you know, hopefully there'll be more opportunities. But I just wanted to let you guys know, right? And we're like, oh, that's awesome, man. And then Justin gave me a call and he said, um, uh, Finn and Hiller were the casting directors for Tokyo Drift. Big, big time casting directors in Hollywood. I never had the opportunity to meet them. And, you know, just to give you guys a point of reference at that time, I mean, I don't, I don't think I even had an agent, you know, getting opportunities were very rare. To even go audition was very rare. Um, and, uh, uh, Justin said, Hey, 
you know, why don't you just go in and why don't you just read for the Sean Boswell character? It's already cast. You know, we already decided we we're going to cast in the film. Um, but it's a great opportunity for them to meet the, the casting directors for future opportunities. So I went in there and read, had a lot of fun. And then a few weeks later, Justin called and said, Hey, um, I think, uh, Bow Wow was casting it, right? So he, they had cast Bow Wow and they said, um, there's an opportunity for a smaller character. Um, and I think his name was Phoenix at the time. And it was, um, we were going to cast a hip hop artist for that. But since we already have Bow Wow as Twinkie, there's an opportunity to just kind of open it up. And, you know, the pitch, um, was that why can't we hire an Asian American character with a nondescript lineage? He's not Japanese. We don't really know who he is. And we're like, yeah, why not? You know, that'd be great. And so Justin showed the tape for, you know, Sean Boswell that I had read already. <clears throat> and I went in and met a couple of other producers. And that's how I got cast into Tokyo Drift. It wasn't really written out, um, you know, at the beginning. But then so it, 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 you know, it just eventually evolved. So that's how I got into Tokyo Drift. <laughs> I love that because then I think Phoenix that ends up being a character in Fast Force. So I love that they even maybe that maybe not the full yeah. character, but at least the character name uh, carried over for for Justin. I mean, we see Han, you know, now we can say quote unquote die um, in Tokyo Drift. So then, what's your reaction when Justin, you know, says he wants to upend the whole timeline of Fast and go backwards, and you know, and have Han still alive? And even at, at the top of Fast Four, it seems like it could still just be a a one-off here like you know like you show up at the beginning and then you're kind of like oh i think i might go you know check out tokyo so again we're like oh you know that was good to see him but we might you know that might be it so w what was it like when, when justin tells you like no i want to keep this going i, I was i was kind of asking him what he was drinking or smoking <laughs> like how do you bring a character back from the dead you know and i had to step back and first go wow this is pretty special that you know, a uh, a character that had passed away is brought back. Like they have to upend the whole timeline. I mean, I kind of was scratching my head, going, "I wonder if this is disrespectful to the audience, or is it going to be hokey?" You know. And I had a talk with uh, a veteran producer friend of mine that was retired, and he said, "You know how rare it is for you know a studio to change the timeline to bring back a character." He's like, "You know, this is this is very rare in Hollywood, and you should really embrace it. It means that you know the 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 character is really popular with the fans and he's like can't discredit that and he's you know i mean early on he was telling me that you know this is a fan-based franchise you know it's really fan supported so you have to listen to them and embrace it it's rare so i was like let's go for it you know it's like what a great opportunity you know? and under justin's you know guidance i knew it wasn't going to be hokey he was going to you know he, he was going to make it you know something that we could be proud of so i think it worked out I'd say how so, much yeah. of how much of the I guess through line of the of Han's character once it was decided okay we're going to go back and figure out how we catch up to Tokyo mm -hmm. um, how much of that did you discuss with Justin like throughout because it ends up being four five and six did you kind of know what that arc was for all of them or was it sort of a surprise with each movie? Well, each surprise being you know popular and then kind of upping the the previous one it's you know that's the unknown who knows right we yeah. we never know what you know, what's going to happen when you put the film out there. So, I mean, you can talk about it and say, yeah, it'd be great if Han could live on and all the characters can live on to fast 100. But, you know, 
look, if Fast 9 comes out and nobody watches it, it's probably the end of, of being fast. <laughs> It'll be slow. Yeah, so. so you just hope for the best. You enjoy the moment and you just hope for the best. And like, you know, my, my producer friend told me, he's like, you just got to embrace it. It's one of those rare things. So, yeah. Yeah. I know from the yeah. fan side, it was ex- every time there would be like a tease for Tokyo and be like, oh, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. it was just so yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I So, you know, we, we mentioned Han, you know, lives on for a few more films after Tokyo Drift and, you know, even more after that, we, we've learned in, the, in last year's trailer. But uh, we knew one day, like the events of Tokyo Drift had had to catch up. Um, so, like, how did Justin tell you ahead of Fast 6 that this was finally the time? Or was it kind of like, you had known for a while that like this is probably going to be the end at least for now um no justin keeps everything really close to his chest because he knows the process as an actor if i kind of know too much it doesn't really it's not helpful during the performance you know so he's really smart and keeping certain information away from the actor so you know in the moment we can be true to whatever we're going through right um and then I think towards the, because they had to decide. I think there was a lot of they're trying to figure out if Statham was going to come back and, you know, what characters were going to come back and how it was going to work out. So they didn't know. And, you know, the cool thing is that everybody's there working cohesively together to, you know, kind of evolve while we're shooting. Because, you know, ideally, if, let's say you want somebody like Statham, but he's busy. I mean, it doesn't work out, right? right? Or, you know, there's biz- there's, you know, there's the show business part of it. And sometimes things just don't work out, right? So fortunately it did. And I think, you know, I think the reason it works out is because it's, it goes back to the fans. I mean, the fans support this film, you know, and I think any actor with some brains will look at that and go, hey man, this is good for my career great opportunity it's already a beloved franchise and it brings in a whole new demographic maybe they didn't have before so i think that's why as you start to see the films evolve you see these amazing actors like you know we have helen Mirren. like yeah. i scratched my head i'm like what <laughs> and the coolest thing guys this is one of the coolest things that's ever happened in my career is while we were shooting fast nine i had a couple of weeks break so i you know went home right see my family and everything. And I came back and I'm looking around in my trailer and I noticed there's a different like brand of tea, English tea. It was P&G tips, these little cheap, you know, English tea. And then there was some other like, you know, cutlery and things in the, in the, in the trailer that I didn't notice. And, and then I look down and I see the sides for Helen Mirren. Right. So she was in my trailer for the two weeks, drinking her tea, using my toilet, right, laying on the bed. Not my bed, but I mean, it was, you know, ours, right? And, uh, and dude, I was free. I, I had to go, I had to actually make some of her tea and sit there and go, oh, wow, this is what a Oscar winner drinks, right? It was, it was, it was pretty cool. It was surreal for me, you know. It was it was pretty awesome. I would have watched that reality show, like if you guys were to happen to be sharing it for a few days at least, like Song and Helen and Dame Helen Mirren, just yes. like sharing a trailer. That would have been yeah. amazing. <laughs> it makes me think of because uh, you used to do uh, the the car discussion sort of series that even was happening while you guys were filming. So I would love to see her yeah. on that with you. <laughs> I know she would be brilliant. Next time I see her, I'm going to ask her. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. is so awesome, yeah. <laughs> I mean, did um 
did Justin, I mean, obviously it, it seems fitting that, you know, you and Justin come into the fast world together. You leave the fast world <laughs> together with, with fast six and then now coming back again to with fast nine. So like, I don't know, that doesn't seem like a total coincidence. And even talking with Justin previously, like it's, you know, pretty obvious, like he felt like that, that was the right thing to do. Um, did you guys have any conversations like about that as you guys were wrapping fast six and knew that you were both kind of, you know, moving on at least for a bit? No, we thought it was over. I actually thought, okay, you know, it was, what a great ride. We enjoyed it. They changed our lives for sure, you know, and met some amazing people. Definitely taught me more than I ever expected about the business of Hollywood. So I was, you know, I was totally like happy and content. Um, and then, you know, the opportunity of coming back together, come on, that's like, you know, that's a Hollywood story right there, you know, to, to whatever, to, to find justice and wherever the injustice is and to play off of that and to have kind of a call to action. But how awesome is it that like we, I feel like this is the film that we're really in tune and connected with the fan base, you know, before we're going through motions and trying to figure things out as we're going through it. But this, I mean, the ethos of it is like to give the fans what they want because, you know, everybody listen, this whole I concept is fan base. This whole hashtag justice for on was created by Jen Yamato, an LA times, you know, uh, journalist who felt like there was just injustice. Like how could you kill this character off without never addressing it? You know? And, and I, you have to step back and go, wow, there must've been something really powerful from these films and these characters for people to spend their time and resources to say, I want justice for a fictitious character, <laughs> you know? So it's pretty cool, man. It's, it's, it's all, it's just, it's, sometimes I go, how did all of this happen? So it makes you, it, it gives you perspective and it tells you, man, you gotta really just be grateful for the things that are happening to you, you know? So, yeah. When was the first time that you sort of encountered the Justice for Han hashtag? Was it, did you just see the LA Times story or did fans try to interact with you? Like you're on social media. Did they reach out to you that way? Oh yeah, I would see it every day. You know, they would tag me and tag that. And then, you know, I didn't want to get too emotionally invested because, you know, these are big, you know, these are huge moments in our lives. And, you know, you don't want your expectations up too high. But then, you know, I started noticing that, you know, studios were listening to social media they were listening to the fans and with all the negative things about social media these days you know the one thing that i think is really positive is that it does give you an insight to what people are thinking like right away like it's instant reaction and, and they can they can be sincere you know they can be sincere and they don't have to hide behind any pretense because you don't know who these people are yeah so if they hate you or hate the movie or you did something that really upsets them, you know, you will hear about it every day if you're on social media, you know, so I would see it, I would see it, I'd be reminded, okay, all right, all right, Justice, I get it, I get it, but what's going to happen, man, you know, it's yeah. like, it's nice, but then it just started getting bigger and bigger, and then here we are, guys, you know, so. I mean, why do you think it, you mentioned this is like a fictitious character, you know, but what it is, what do you think it is about Han that people just connected to you know what i mean like not every character that dies in a film you know people are on the internet you know and making hashtags and making shirts and you know wanting you know i mean we could have never even imagined the justice for han movement leading to, to where we are now with you coming back um so what was it about the character you think that just connected with people so strongly 
you know, I think if you just break it down and you take away, you know, ethnicity or cool cars and all of that, it's, you know, it's a guy, I think it's Han is a friend that everybody wants, this idealistic, you know, kind of conception of the older brother or the guy who's going to take care of everything, you know, the, the loyal friend, the guy who is cool, but, you know, is still kind of, he has that Robin Hood kind of, kind of vigilante kind of vibe about him, you know. Um, and at the end of the day, the way I think the creators and Justin kind of structured him is it's taking like the best version of you and kind of go, okay, if you were to hang out with the cool dude or cool gal, what would that person be? Like, and number one, you know, that person probably wouldn't be thinking about money, would probably have integrity, would probably be kind of really worried about, you know, the person's word opposed to who he is or how famous he is or what car he drives. And and somehow, you know, Han exudes that. You know, it's just really simple. And also, even choosing the name of Han, you know, it's a really kind of difficult translation from Korean to English is, you know, Han in Korean means like it's 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 a yin and yang. It's like even when good things are happening, you have to be careful because something bad's gonna show up, right? And it, when things are horrible, don't stress too much to be calm because that means that something good is gonna come. So Han has this like even keel. Even if he's making money, so what, man? Something might happen. Like your love of your life is gonna disappear. So you better always find balance, you know. So. I think he just makes people feel comfortable and at ease and there's no judgment. You know, when you hang out with Han, even in, in the real life, when I go out and I meet, you know, fans or people that have seen the movie, in a way, they want me to be Han. You know, they want you to be that friend or the big bro or the mentor that doesn't judge and is okay with whatever you drive. And it's just like, as long as you're a good guy and you could be part of the crew, you know, and I think. It's it's weird. It's like I feel like I have a key to every car guy's garage, a car <laughs> person's garage, you know, because they want to tell me about their car, give me a beer, you know, and tell me about their whole life. And it's, you know, it's it's really been a pretty amazing blessing being able to put on the Han wig, if you will, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw like in an old junket interview, I think, where you talked about how it even kind of took you a while to really appreciate what Han's like value system is. Um, in yeah. part because like, you know, now sort of Tokyo Drift, he's sort of at his wisest. I mean, until we see what happens with nine. But um and then we kind of go back and see his journey there. So for you, like going back to him again in nine, did you feel like you had to sort of uh reconnect and evolve him even more? Like, you know, figure out what is that next level of cool now that he's had some years to sort of like deal with everything he's gone through? That's a great question. Um yeah, I guess, you know, like, what is, what is, what is the definition of cool really is? It's hard, I, th I think it's impossible to play cool. You know, like, you could tell an actor, be cool. Like, you can't do that. What's going to do? <laughs> yeah. like, I, don't, I don't know. Well, well, I don't even know where to start. You know, it's a, you know, button your shirt. Is that cool? I mean, for some, for, for some, that's gross, right? <laughs> I think. For me, it was, Fast 9 was the easiest one for me to play because, you know, Han is older. You know, he's much older. He's much wiser. Um, there is a different level of, I guess, guilt or weight that he carries, you know. And I think if I showed up five years younger or 10 years younger trying to play that, you know, I wouldn't know where to start from. And I think just because, you know, I'm older now and 
look, it doesn't matter if you're in Hollywood or, you know, you work at the post office, life deals you life problems. And it's if you can adjust and learn from it, you know, that I think that's where wisdom and that's where coolness comes from is on how you, you know, deal with the, the daily crises of life, right? And I think just, you know, life lessons has given me perspective that I didn't have before. I think, you know, it was kind of a natural fit. You know, it was like, in Fast 9, you know, we have Han's hair shorter, you know, so it all just kind of, it all made sense. No, nothing fell forced. I had short hair back then anyway, so <laughs> it was, it was kind of, it worked out, right? Because uh, I was older and as an actor, I was playing older characters, right? So it was nice. It was nice to come back and I was a little worried. I was like, well, you know, what if all the, all the, you know, the, the elements of the fast things were just kind of lost to me. But because of the family and because of the actors and the, most of the crew came back, it felt like a reunion and it was pretty easy to pop in. And then you have all these wonderful artists that help the process, right? So any nervousness or kind of insecurities, you know, it, it just resolves after a few days. So, you know, fast is, like going to a family reunion, you know, and everybody there with the right kind of, you know, motivation to make something super entertaining. You know? Yeah. And Getting, um, kind of going back a few steps to, uh, to Fast 6. Um, I mean, you know, we pick up with, with Han and Giselle, like in Tokyo and like throughout the movie, it's like clear, like Han has like truly fallen for Giselle and they're like both ready to start, you know, this life together. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's really bittersweet watching back, just knowing like what's to come, you know, by the end of Fast 6. Um, and it's impressive how invested, you know, we all got in that relationship, considering it's really just two movies with, with you guys in it together. And I mean, it's not like it's a major, you know, it's kind of like in the background or these little moments. Ever thought about settling down, starting a life together? Aren't we doing that? Are we? What what did you love about that relationship and working with Gal? Like, was it was the chemistry like pretty immediate on Fast Five, and you guys were able to just build from that? People always ask me what, what what's it like. What was it like kissing Wonder Woman? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, she is beautiful. All of that, I get all of that. But at the end of it, she's just she's so cool to hang out with. She's like like just one of the crew, and she's like a tomboy in, at, at heart. So you know, there was nothing like unusual or uncomfortable about her she makes you feel you know like you're your old friend right away you know um so you know i think because most of the time we were paired together we were also hanging out and then you know a lot of times we got to talk about family and history and you know the things that we're going you know dealing with in our daily lives and um and so you know we had a friendship we had a true friendship and you know even though both of us are married, that friendship was able to carry over into the film because, you know, when Gal, I mean, Giselle does eventually, you know, I guess technically pass, fast and furiously pass away. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I knew I wasn't going to see my friend. I knew maybe we wouldn't see each other for a while and it was, it was over. Right. So that, that's, that really sucks. Right. But. In terms of working with Gal, come on. The reason she's Wonder Woman is because that's really who she is. You know, the camera doesn't lie. I was told by an old cinematographer once, and I said, you know, he, he, he described to me that, yeah, the camera doesn't lie, man. You know, there's certain people that are born to play superheroes and certain people that are born to play villains. Not that they are in real life, but 
there's something, there's some essence, some, you know, light behind their eyes that needs to be projecting. So the camera grabs it. And I think perfect evolution for Gal was Wonder Woman. I mean, that's who she was and, you know, and that's who she is. So it's, it's, she's, she's, she's A plus, A plus. When you were, so like that sort of penultimate scene, like where we lose uh, the Giselle character happens in the middle of this giant action sequence. So like when you're playing that, how do you, like, did you guys talk about like sort of the right way to sort of catch that intimacy? Because I also imagine it's like, a lot of stuff with Fast and Furious is practical, but I can't imagine you guys are like with a giant plane the entire time, right? So how do you sort of bring sort of that emotional element to that, even though there's all this other stuff going around? Well, that stuff is shot separate. You know, the close-ups of her, you know, of us kind of losing each other on that plane, that was all in green screen where they got the nose of, you know, the plane and, 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 and they actually got a real car. And it was it was lifted up, and you know we were on harnesses. So you were actually going through the whole motion, right? We, we didn't see, you know, we weren't on the on the hundred mile runway. <laughs> 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 Which, if we were, probably would have been better because we had a lot of time to kind of go through it, right? Right. right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you, you get you get put in the position, and then emotionally, when the camera runs, you gotta you gotta call it up, right? So. I mean, it's it, that that day was pretty demanding because there's there was a lot of stunts going on, and you know we are actually on the nose of the the car and the plane, right? And we're going through it, right? And fortunately, somehow, you know, they were able to grab those emotions, and it, I think it worked out. I think it was pretty impactful. Yeah. Know? I mean, you're you're obviously not you know the writer or the director, but obviously you think a lot about you know Han, and you you know you'd been playing him for so long. We we knew one day we had to get to him, the version we see in Tokyo Drift. And as you mm. guys were building this relationship with Giselle, I don't know, for you, did it feel like this was kind of the only way you guys could get to where Han is in Tokyo Drift? Like he kind of had to lose Giselle? Um, or what, did you did you kind of have conversations about that as you guys were, were deciding this is where it was going? No, like I said, you know, the, the information is really kept away from you know, the actors from Justin, right? Um, and I think rightfully so. Um, so we know, we know, we never really discussed that, but I do think he needed to lose Giselle because he's Han, you know, it's like anything that good happens, something bad's going to follow him, right? And it's really on how he deals with that is what makes Han, you know, because if he wasn't Han, he would just disappear. He would probably drink himself to death and go, what's the point of this? Like, you know, really, like what's the point of money if you don't have people to share with? And there was a whole life with Giselle that they had planned, you know? Also talking about the other sort of big relationship with Han that we hear about, obviously, in Tokyo Drift, but we don't get to see until, like, you come into Fast 4 and then into Fast 5, is that Han already knew Dom. And so, like, when you are brought back into the series and it's like, okay, we have to establish this relationship. Did you guys have to talk a little bit about that backstory? We sort of get hints at it as fans, as viewers, but we don't know sort of the whole story behind sort of how that relationship came together and how you become part of the crew really. Um, so did you and Vin like getting to know him? Like, did you guys talk about that at all? Yeah. Did you ever see Los Banderos? Yeah. So that tells you where, you know, Vin wants to, you know, and he's always searching for connective tissue to make these relationships sincere, right? So, 
you know, Vin's really good at sitting down and just kind of talking things through and, you know, what if this and what if this and let's try this and let's go for this. And um, because, you know, he knows that without, you know, that sincerity on screen with the family, that there is no Fast and Furious, you know, aside from the cars. I mean, the cars will bring the people there, but it's that family chemistry and that family theme that keeps the audience there. It's because that's the thing that everybody can identify with. It doesn't matter who you are or what you drive. You can identify somebody has a family member, right? But the car stuff, you know, it's like if you're into cars, that's great. But then after that, you know, he knows how powerful that is. And because, you know, he's a filmmaker first, right? He's always looking for, you know, character integrity and character arc, um, you know, He's adamant about sitting down and having, you know, long discussions about that. There's a few scenes we wanted to ask specifically about. But before that, I wanted to kind of see, do you have a favorite scene in, in Fast 6? Is there is there one that like really sticks out to you for whatever reason? I love getting my butt beat up in the train with Tyrese and Joe. I was going to ask about <laughs> that, that is, one, yeah. That is, to me, it's my favorite scene because it's like everybody in Fast always is so badass. They beat up everybody. They can, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like you can take on twenty, and then you got two of the main characters, <laughs> Roman and Hawk, and we can't even handle one little fight. You know, Asian dude, right? He beats our ass in public, right? He just whips us, and and you know, I think some actors would have problems with that, but I think that stuff is hilarious, right? I go, you you take you just do what what is what is opposite and what is expected. And that, and that was so fun. I mean, to be able to go through all that choreography and then, you know, have three actors kind of try to figure out how we're going to make it cool, but then make it comedic, right? And uh, yeah, I, I just felt like it was a scene that didn't belong in the movie. It was more of a comedy, like a Lauren Hardy kind of thing, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was a lot of fun. I, I love that that one was like, at the same time as like Michelle and Gino were having like yeah. this like really oh, yeah. incredible like even fight and like it's juxtaposed yeah. with like you and uh you know hot and Roman just getting you know destroyed and thrown through windows like that was kind yeah. of uh perfect and that's how the you know the, the I think the studio and the filmmakers you know addressed I think you know representation for females and 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 films was that like what a perfect just what you described like how awesome is that you have two of the female leads like just kick some butt and then you got the male lead just getting their ass whipped, right? It's, it was perfect. It was perfect way to address that, you know? <laughs> um, sort of to stay on that, like how is it working with Tyrese? Because you also got, you have the, the scene before that where you guys have a, like a little bit of a comedic rapport and um, yeah. I've heard that he's like singing on set all the time. Mm-hmm. So what was it like to get to team up with him a little bit more? It's like having that fun brother that is there and, that has so much energy and it's like when Tyrese and I are, are together, most it, it working is kind of hard to do because we're always laughing. I mean, dude is the funniest dude, you know, it's like he can lighten up every mood, every, every set, like he'll show up and start saying, and, and then it, it, it makes you step back and go, yeah, why am I taking this so seriously? Take the work and the craft seriously, but still, you know, it's a movie, have fun with it. Right. And it's, yeah, I'm 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 glad that we've had these years to get to know each other and really form a you know a relationship. You know, I don't know, man. I was disrespectful, and I don't like the way she said it. Like he's a man. He's a man. So what are we? Come on, she's just doing her job. 
doing her job. I see what's going on. See what? You got that little stardust in your eye, huh? Little birds floating around a little bit. <laughs> uh, you don't want to lease this model, you want to buy. Can you please stop talking? No, 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 you're in love. Look at you. <laughs> Just stop. Uh, you got special plans, huh? Big day? Gonna invite us all out? Yeah. Better make sure you get her a big rock, man, cause she don't look like she'll be that easily impressed. You know, and if it's not a big rock, you better be big somewhere else. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's why all your girlfriends wear so much bling, huh? There's so many huge action set pieces in this one. I mean, you guys have, you know, the tank, you have the, you know, huge uh, runway in the plane sequence. Did you feel like, I mean, obviously Fast Five went up a level from four and each one seems to go up a level, but like Fast Six really felt like where you guys were like, oh man, we're doing some like crazy stuff with, you know, uh, these action set pieces. Could you guys feel that as you're doing it, as you see a tank, as you see, you know, a huge plane? We're so desensitized to it now. You know, it's like, of course you got to top. You got to keep topping it. Like, and that's the joke is like, where do we go next? I guess you go in a submarine. Uh, yeah, where do we go? I guess we go to space. Then I go, after space, where do we go? I think we're going to heaven. I think we're going to be in heaven in, in fast 10, you know? <laughs> we're in total different dimension. So, yeah, we're used to it. You got to keep topping it, man. You got to keep topping it. Like, every time you see the cars, you go, Wait, it went from a Honda Civic to what? Yeah. To this Kona Civic? Like, how, how did you get there? Right? You gotta, come on, you know? Totally. Is there something that you haven't done that you would love to do? I mean, thinking about topping things and going and going and going. Like, when you talked to Jordana and she was saying that at one point she was thinking, oh, we should do like speedboats or like something like that, which <laughs> you haven't done a lot of water. Is there anything like that that you would love to do? You know, I would love to go back to some of the classic cars, you know, because over the, the journey of the, you know, the fast movies, it, like I said, it gave me access to, you know, everyone's garage. So I get to go out and really learn and appreciate these cars and these builders and these amazing car communities that are out there, not only in the States, but throughout the world. And I think, you know, the one big complaint from the fans, um, especially the car guys, they go, hey man, you guys are so far removed from like realistic cars. I mean, cars don't fly, like, you know, not in our world, right? They barely even run in their world, right? So, like, you know, it'd be nice to kind of represent that and go back to, you know, I guess, you know, just realistic communities. And I, 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 I'm, I'm a student of, you know, these people and these, these artisans and these builders. And I would love to, you know, start putting some spotlights on these amazing cars that have been built um, just by regular folks, you know. Um, you know, the million dollar supercars are great, but, you know, it's nice to go back and put a spotlight on what's beautiful and the thing that doesn't cost a million dollars, you know. So that's what I, I think. And I think the fast world has room for that, you know, yeah. and that's where new characters can develop and different kind of story themes can develop there. Like, you know, it's not how much the car is worth. It's really, you know, the care and the love that was put into building the car, right, is where the value comes. So stuff like that, you know, I'd love to do something like that. 
we we've alluded a few times to this epic you know runway probably the longest runway in history i think i i think there was actually a study that it was supposedly 26 miles like like someone actually <laughs> broke it down um and we talked about like filming you know the more emotional part with, with gal but what was it like just in general you know I, i'm sure it was a lot of you know work and a lot of time you know spent on that runway wherever this uh this is um so what was it like just take us through kind of filming that sequence um, it was like camping out because most of it was it was at night. So we had to those were called night shoots, right? So they usually run from sunset to sunrise, right? So you're out there, you feel like you're camping out with all your friends, right? And then um, around three in the morning, the actors get to go into a trailer and the crew stands out and they actually do most of the work, right? <laughs> so, you know, they deserve all the credit for you know, things like that. Um, but look, I mean, it, I don't have much recollection of it because, you know, it felt like to, to isolate just those moments, it, it, it's a little difficult because, you know, a million things are going on and, and you're half asleep most of the time because, like I said, it's at night, right? So those nights are, are complete blurs to me. I have one recollection is... You know, I'm a Liverpool soccer, you know, uh, football fan, yeah. and there was a whole bunch of fire, like fake fire from the from the airplane that, and there was lighting, great lighting, and I had I, I was wearing the Liverpool jersey, and I took a picture of it, and that's <laughs> that's really all I remember from that evening, you know. Um, oh, I do remember, I do. This was this was I think the one of the last times I got to hug Paul was that when Paul comes up to me and and with Jordana and gives me that embrace. I think that was the last time I got to hug Paul. So I do remember that, you know, unfortunately. I mean, what um you you mentioned earlier, like, you know, Statham coming in and uh obviously the reveal of um him being responsible for for Han's apparent death at least. Um I mean what what was your reaction when when you hear that, you know, uh, that Statham's being brought in and, you know, that he's responsible for Han's death and it wasn't just this, you know, random thing as it appeared like it might have been in Tokyo Drift. Now, the Statham is this crazy story. So uh, let me go back a little bit. Years ago, I did this movie called War and yeah. Jason Statham was the star, right? And I played this little character in the film where I play one of his you know, one of the policemen in the force, the, the detectives and his crew. And the bad guy was Jet Li at, in that film. And um, it was a big deal. Like I got to work with a couple of heroes, right? And I remember when we finished the film, Jason and I were at the airport together. Some reason we were flying out on the same plane. And he goes, hey, what are you doing next? And he's like, What's, what are you off to? He goes, hey, yeah, I got cast in this movie called Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. And he's like, oh, yeah, really? And his, you know, cocking head, he's like, oh, that's a great one to be, that's a, that's a great thing to be a part of, Mike, right? And I was like, really? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a big franchise. And this was, remember, there's only two movies at that time. He's yeah. Like, yeah, people love those films. He's like, well, good luck to you. And I'm like, all right, see you later. <laughs> Years later, full circle. Oh, come on, man. And I, and I, was, I was talking to Jason about that. I go, Jason, do you remember that? I go, think about it, man. Like we, we actually talked about this thing and, and full circle, we, you come back and you're the dude that's taking me out. Right? <laughs> right. 
it's, it's really cool every time I see Statham, like we bring that stuff up. It's like, it's, it's just weird in this business. It tells you like, hey man, do not be an asshole in this business because it's small and you eventually end up working with people again, right? So, um, yeah, the fact that we are in a film together at that level, like, you know, talking about it where I was basically an extra in this film and then coming full circle. And yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty cool. I love that he didn't even realize he was actually going to be in Tokyo Drift. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, right. he, he's in there too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. I love that. It feels kind of like meant to be overall because uh, with Jordana, she was working on Annapolis with Justin when he got Tokyo Drift and like Tyrese is in that movie. So um, it's like amazing just how you all are kind of connected to each other in this way. It's like, oh, oh, clearly this was just meant to be. Is that what it feels like when you, is that what it feels like when you guys are together? It does. I mean, I, I, I don't know if Vin knows this. I think I told him maybe, but he did a film called Multifacial yep. way before Fast, right? And it was a sh- the film he directed and starred in, and it was, you know, the whole theme of it is, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of a biracial person in Hollywood. Like, what are you? Are you black? Are you white? Are you Hispanic? And, you know, and right at, at my darkest moment as an actor, when I was starting out, right, I was like, man, there's not going to be opportunities for, for people of color, especially someone that looks like me. And I don't do martial arts. I go like, deliberately don't do martial arts, right? And that's not who I want to be. That's not why I started acting. I go, there's no opportunities for someone like me. And I went to Blockbusters and then the, in the $1 bin, you know, where they would like, you know, yeah. sell the movies. There was this movie called Multifacial. And I was like, what is this? So I bought it and I put it in. And that movie gave me hope. And every time I was about to quit, I would stick it in and oh, wow. go, yeah. Right. I go, hey, man, keep going. And that movie taught me a lot of things because, you know, then directed it he produced it he started in it and i don't know you know after after talking to him like when i said why did you make that film it's like because no one no one was giving him opportunity so he tried and that film got him cast into saving private ryan right and then the rest is history right and we will talk we we talk about that and i go dude of all the actors that are out there i find this one dollar videotape right at blockbusters and that film gave me enough wind behind my sails to keep going that I felt like I wasn't alone. And I didn't know who Vin Diesel was, right? Like it was just this dude from New York, right? Another actor. And then years later, I'm talking to the dude, right? It's, yeah. I mean, that, that's meant to be, is it not? Right? Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Now let's go right back into the interview. Speaking of talking to Vin or even Justin, have you, have you planted the seed yet of like, Hey, maybe gal, maybe gal comes back. Like maybe Giselle, uh, we didn't see technically her die. You, you mentioned earlier, you called it like a fast and furious death. Um, so have you, have you slipped that in, uh, uh, you know, just throwing it out there? 
Derek, I don't need to do that. You can go <laughs> to social media and everybody's already talking about that. You know? yeah. Right? So, the fact that you even asked that question is something that they're already thinking of, right? So, yeah. I'm sure it's in the plan. I'm sure it's in the plan. It's it's yeah. it, it is tough as as a huge fan, you're like at, at one part you're like, oh, like those were such like huge emotional moments, like these deaths, you know, whether it was, you know, Letty first or, you know, Han or Giselle. And you're like, oh, they were such great moments. And like, what does death mean if they come back? But then you're like, no, I love those characters. Like yeah. give give them to me again. So uh we'll keep that campaign going. Uh, you know, we'll have to get a good hashtag. I don't know if we've landed on a specific Giselle hashtag, but uh, we'll, we'll have to figure one out. We've seen your probably Han death scene is probably sets the record for the amount of times a death scene has been shown like on film, I guess. I feel like we've seen it at least three times. Did you ever have to like go back when it was like and film anything extra? Like when they uh, add Jason, is that just like they're just like special effect adding him in you know, behind it or like, you know, when we see it in, in seven again, or is it just you filled it that once and, you know, they just keep reusing it? Some of it they can. It's just because we, we we look older now, right? So we don't want you know the, that difference to stand out so much, right? But fortunately, I look kind of the same, right? So it's you know um, they can recycle some of the older stuff, right? But I've and it also just then keeps me away from some certain things, like you know to rehash the whole death thing. He knows that it's probably not a good idea to you know bring me back to do that, right? And so they were able to recycle some of the stuff, you know, and, and with special effects today, after they scan you and, you know, all these modern things, like it's amazing what they can do, you know. We know um, to talk about cars a little more, um, like I know you've talked a lot about how you first got into them, like you had a neighbor that you went to. What was it like, did getting into the Fast movie sort of expand your investment in car culture and like your love for it? Like what was that? What did those movies, I guess, do for you and when coming when it comes to cars and talking about them? and learning about them exploring um well like i said the car the you know the franchise is giving me access to you know the car community so you know the i always had enthusiasm for cars but you know i did not basically my family didn't have the resources to do stuff like that and you know buy hobby cars and everything and and then getting older, it's just so busy, you know, it's so busy to like, you know, to actually spend any time on that. And you know, it's going to cost some money to a degree, right? And look, uh, people think like actors, you know, they have it great all the time. But when you're starting out, man, you had like, you know, 30 jobs just to pay the rent. Yeah. <laughs> so working on a car is a complete luxury for me, right? So um, now where there is more time and there's more resources and... You know, I'm able to go and spend time with people not only doing great work within the cars, but they're able to, I'm able to search and find answers in my personal life, right? Like, what does it mean to be a good husband or a good son? Ah, good son. Hold on. Um, what does it mean to be, you know, a good brother? And I look for these things within car builders that when you look at their cars, you go, oh, there's a certain level of integrity or OCD or compulsion, obsessiveness, right? Um, and why is this person successful in their builds? And why do the cars come out this way? Usually it's a reflection on how they live their life mm -hmm. and who they are, you know? Like you can, I can now pop open a, you know, a hood or look under somebody's, you know, like, you know, console and see their wiring system. I go, yeah, probably their bank account and, 
you know, probably their life is in disarray, just like their wiring, right? So, you know, it, it, I, I use the car community now to find and fulfill like these personal answers, like among, and find men and women that, you know, represent like true heroes in my life. So that's been the, the complete blessing of having access to the car world. People think I just go there, you know, people think, oh, it's so easy. Now you have it. You can go and look at all these cool cars and stuff, but you get desensitized. Like, who cares? After you see that third, you know, Ferrari, like it doesn't really matter for me. It's the person behind the car, and that's what I've been really, you know, really engaging and been. It's been super exciting uh, to be able to have that access. You know? Yeah. Um, wrapping up, I wanted to go into what we call the final lap, kind of a, a grab bag of, of questions uh, about uh, the the franchise. Han gets to go to like the big family barbecue, like at the end, in a real barbecue, or maybe even some of the real like meals that you guys had together. Like, what is the thing that you're bringing to the party? Whether it's food, whether it's music, what do, what do you bring in? Oh, that's such a great question. Oh, I never thought of what do I bring to the party? Yeah. Like, literally, what do I bring to the party? Literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or, you know, mentally, you know, what's your attitude? I don't know. I, I assume it's like, what are you bringing to the family barbecue? Like, are you mm -hmm. bringing the chips? Are you bringing the Coronas? Like, I don't know. It's however you want to interpret it. What am I bringing to the family? Oh, that You know, that's such a great question. That's I never even thought about where does all that food show up? <laughs> yeah. Literally, where does, who made all that, right? What would Tom bring to, I mean, chips is too easy. Like, come on. I don't think Tom needs to bring the chips. I think, you know, I think. Where do you guys live? Where do you guys live? LA. 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 Okay. I think Han would go to Porto's and bring the Trace Leches cake. You ever oh, have that? Oh, yeah. You ever go to Porto's? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love yeah, that's that. That's what Han would bring. Yeah. yeah that's I, what Han would bring. I feel like the chips would be a Roman thing. Like Roman would just yeah. be like, you know, he wouldn't really think about it. He'd think he could just get by with the chips. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. a couple a couple years ago, I ranked, I did a ranking asking, you know, who was the fastest and furiousest if I, you know, in Fast and Furious. And I ranked the top 10. I want to get your reaction on Han's ranking. I had Han 9 out of 10 because I gave him 3 out of 4 Coronas in terms of fast speed. Mm -hmm. But Furious, mm -hmm. I only gave him 1 Corona. You know what I mean? He's, not, he's just not a Furious guy. You know what I mean? And maybe, at, maybe at 9, he will be a little more Furious. Like, you know, some stuff's happened to him over the years. But what do you think? Does that, does that feel about right? Like 9, you know, out of 10? of these, you know, main characters in terms of, you know, his fast and furiousness? Yeah. Well, uh, how many Korean friends do you have? Do you have I, a lot of Korean friends? I have a few, yeah. I have a few? Yeah. Koreans are super angry. Like, we hold a lot <laughs> inside of us. So, there's a lot of fury in us. If you think about that little country, it's so furious, they split in half. They're furious <laughs> at each other. <laughs> we, can't, we can't even get along with ourselves, right? So, there's a lot of anger. A lot of anger. So, but I think it's hold, like repressing it, like really repressing it, right? So, so it's always on tap. It's always on tap, right? So, maybe from the outside, there's no fury, but I would say that's what fuels him, you know? That's actually what drives the guy, like to wake up and go, all right, there's self-guilt, there's guilt, there's injustice in the world, and that makes him furious. And, and I think the fast part is just a byproduct of his anger, you know? And and his calmness and all of that. I think if he just let it all go, you know, he'd be out of control. You know, like he would kill himself. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's what, at least for me on a personal, I go, what drives me? It's some, most of the time it's anger. Like, you know, like uh, I got to do better because I'm going to show the world this, right? Or you think I'm this or 
because I look like this, you know, eat, you know like, so that drives us, right? So I agree, but disagree. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'll revisit. I'll revisit on uh, Fast Nine. I'll have to go back and uh, you know reevaluate some things and, and see if uh, Han moves up a few spots. I love that sort of under under the surface like anger sort of fueling other actions. Um, it, it makes me think obviously of like the Incredible Hulk and like these characters have become superheroes to a lot of the mm-hmm. fans and even in some of the stunts of the movies. So, what is your favorite superhero? Batman. It's mine as well. It is. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice yeah. choice. Because I mean, he he he's fueled by anger and revenge, right? That's his, that's that's his ethos in his life. That injustice that happened to his parents, right? That's that's the reason he's Batman, right? So it's so easily identifiable. I I can connect to it right away. If I, if I was a billionaire, I'd be Batman too. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, this is my Justice League, the fast, the fast world. So, um, yes. what uh, you know, in each of these interviews, we've been trying to build, you know, for each character, like a spinoff or a prequel. In your mind, what would a Han fast movie look like? There's so many movies in my head. That's the problem. <laughs> I've been thinking about this for a while, and if I I can't talk too much about it, I can't talk too much about it. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Or what is, have you ever seen Lone Wolf and the Cub? I haven't. No. You ever see this movie? Mm-mm. Anyway, if you guys have a chance, it's an anime. It's a it's a manga. Um, and then they turned it into a live action. And I saw it when I was in my eighties. And um, and I think many people have been trying to remake this film or make the. I think it was it, it was a film. A couple of films, and I think even Justin like had the rights for it for a while, and then Theron Aronofsky had the rights for a while. But it, you know, it's a it's a man with a baby, right? And he goes to revenge his wife, right? Uh, and to me, I go, oh, they just put on in there with the baby. <laughs> yeah. you know, you got, you got it. <laughs> That's all you need, right? And then, you put, then you get it. His sword is his car. And then boom, you're done. Yeah. Right? you got it. Come on, he- man, it's over, right? <laughs> And the fast world just showed, you know, with the great Statham scene in in uh, Fast Eight, that like they know how to, you know, do some great action with a with a baby. So like that's, oh, yeah. uh, I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. What would be um kind of here towards the end? You know, we know you can't say too much, but maybe what would be your brief tease of what fans can expect with Fast Nine? One word: family. Family sums up the whole film. You know, with all the the trailers and everything, is uh, to me is kind of misleading. It's really family. It's I think that's where I have so much hope that the franchise is going to continue. Is that you know, Justin as a filmmaker, if you look at his films, like you know, people can argue and say one film is better than the other, but for me, the reason I remember you know his films in the fast is not only because I'm a part of it, is because he when we talk, he's always. Like family will come out of his mouth a, a million times because that's the thing that grounds him. Because you start losing control with all the big stunts and all these, you know, these 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 massive action scenes. It's like you start losing perspective. Right? You go, well, how does how you how do you ground everything? Right? Where do you where do you go back to? And it's always it's been family for him. And um and you know this Fast Nine. It's like easily. I mean, if you talk about is like you know there could be some fatigue you know you wonder it's like will the fast fans come back like will they go where are you guys gonna go from now right like it's like ah like this this stuff like you you read it come on i mean i, I don't live in mala land you read like again like where are you guys I, gonna go now it's like come on let it die it's like over right and 
I go, all right, I get it. I get it. In terms of action, there can be a ceiling, but in terms of like real honest, like, you know, family themes, come on, those stories can go forever, right? Because we can relate with family and family issues and drama forever. That's what, why soap operas lived on forever, right? That's why K-drama lives on forever (laughs) because there's just drama within the family, right? Those comments dr- drive me wild. The what like, you alluded to. Anytime I see on social media, like, you know, I'll, I write so much about fast and I'll see the comments and yeah, people will be like, oh, you know, still, you know, but I'm like, okay, you, you don't watch these movies. Yeah, if you're, you're, if you're saying that, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of like, I get mad when people say that. So I've actually evolved myself as like a fan of things because I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to comment on like some other thing that that won't end because I'm like, there's people that there's a reason it doesn't end. Like people love that thing. So let everyone have, you know, what they love. And we love the fast movies. And um, Sung, thank you so much for joining us and like, you know, becoming a part of the, the binge family. Of course. What a, this, this has been a lot of fun talking to you guys. This has been great. I can tell you guys love the franchise. So I just want to say thank you. You know, thank you for your constant support because Without you, Derek and Chanel, and um, you know, without folks like you that let us talk and kind of share our you know, perspective and our experiences, like you know, like we we have nothing. It's, it's you guys set it all up, and without your support, you know, there will be no Fast Ten. So thank you, really, thank you for your time. It means a lot. Thank you, thank you. I feel like you know we've both kind of grown up with this franchise, and it's like amazing to see where it'll go next. So for us, it's just all love and excitement. So. Pleasure yeah. to have you. I'm, I'm excited Thank for you. justice for Ham and Han. Like, we'll, yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. get, we'll, all the ju- all the justices are coming in fast uh, mime. I can't wait. <laughs> so, what's our next adventure after this? How about we stay in one place? What are you thinking? Tokyo. We always talk about Tokyo. Tokyo it is. <laughs> All right, thank you again to Sung. What a both fun and thoughtful interview from him. Um, but I will say, we're still waiting for our Justice for Ham shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until that glorious day where we are donning those shirts, Chanel and I are now going to hand out some Fast 6 hardware. So, as always, how are we going to kick it off, Chanel? It's time to kick it off with deciding who earned our respect in this film. Um, as Brian says in the first movie, if I win, I take the money and the respect. To some people, that's more important. It's pretty important to us. So to kick it off, who do you think earns your respect the most in Fast and Furious 6? I'm just going to, first off, I feel like I, I haven't mentioned this in any of the other, we've done this six times now. I don't know. To me, I think the money would be more important. I don't know. Maybe I like... <laughs> I probably helped for Brian when he said that, like he was actually like an undercover cop. So like mm-hmm. he really, like if he was going to be a good cop, like he couldn't take the money. So he kind of like, right. the respect was really the only like honorable thing he could take. But like, I don't know. I feel like we maybe need to reevaluate that quote. I mean, it's it, for each person it's different. But for me, I don't know. I, th- I think I would take the money. They play around with it a little bit throughout the franchise because even with Fast Five, like they burn money before they take money. So 
but it's a kind of a gray area for them too. <laughs> don't, don't get me started on that one. I mean, man, geez, like, uh, I, I, again, I think I would have just taken that money and, <laughs> yeah. and settled with that. I mean, I know there was a lot of them to split it up with over. So mm-hmm. a hundred million ended up, uh, equaling out better for everyone's cut, but yikes. Um, all right. But back to, back to the actual question. Uh, <laughs> I think there's uh, some good options. I, you know, Elena, you know, respect for letting Dom go find Letty. I, you know, not everyone mm-hmm. would be as understanding. And just be like, hey, yeah, I, I I gave up my job and my career back in Rio to go on the run with you. And, you know, we're just having a great time here on this island and, you know, sleeping in, you know, uh, falling in love maybe. But yeah, okay. Yeah, go uh, go find your ex who, you know, maybe is still alive and has amnesia. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, got to respect that. Um, everyone involved with, you know, I'm mentioning amnesia. That could have gone wrong. I'm just saying, amnesia, that's a, a, a soap opera trope, really, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for them to introduce it in, which is obviously there's soap opera elements, you know, to uh, to these films. But I feel like they got it, they they pulled it off, in, you know, in a satisfying way. So respect mm-hmm. to them for that. But I don't know. I'll, I'll get your take here. But my personal favorite, and we talked about this on the Fast Four episode with Justin. Shea Wiggum, great, yeah. char- great character actor, just has no problem showing up to get his ass kicked. Every time he's on screen in a fast movie, like this guy is getting his nose broken. He's getting, you know, hit in the gut, like whatever. Like Brian is just beating the crap out of Shea Wiggum's character. So I don't know. I kind of give, got to give all my respect to someone who who doesn't mind, uh, you know, coming on set for two days just to get beat up. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, we've talked about this and we'll talk about it more when we get to uh, like Furious 7. But when we talked about like whenever we talk about Charlize Theron, like she's you say often that she's someone who knows what movie she's in. And that's what I feel like about Shay, like coming back to do this character is he's always game. He's always like, all right, here's the beat that we have to hit. I'm down for it. Um, This is played. Like there's still a little bit of not kind of a callback to that antagonistic relationship between Brian's character and his character. But this is played more for laughs. And yet, you know, it's still just as impactful. It's a fun little sort of Easter egg for people who are as obsessed with these movies as we are. Um, Yeah. So that's great. I love that. I love that. He's just like, all right, I got the call. Here I am (laughs) to do my scene. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's such an important thing, like you said, uh, you know, to know what kind of what movie you're in, you know, mm-hmm. and like you said, we'll, we'll talk about I feel like when we get to Fate of the Furious, we'll talk about Charlize, because I think that's what uh, makes her really good in that is that she's like, no, this isn't monster. I'm, yeah, I'm, right. in, I, yeah. I'm in a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> so Shay definitely knows, uh, like I said, he's in a lot of stuff. Go look at his, his IMDb. It's kind of it's a murderer's row of uh prestige tv and in, in, in memorable movies so uh but he can kind of go through all these different genres and, and fit right in um next up quote of the week uh what, what are we looking at what kind of options do we have here chanel there are some fun ones um of course i think even just starting with like uh the Hobbs character reaching out and saying, I need your help, Dom. I need your team. Like that's a whole different dynamic or it's, I mean, it's where we leave off kind of at the end of five, but after spending a whole movie of them kind of on opposite sides, we get to really lean into, all right, there's a, there's a friendship here that's building. Uh, so that's a fun one. I really love that one. Um, I also love, uh, I don't know, just, we talked about this with five. They're just always some good Dom delivery lines. So the, the words, those words went out the day we were born, I think is a great one in this one. Um, what, what do you think as well? Uh, yeah, I feel like you, you, uh, I love that one that you just mentioned where he's talking about, you know, amnesty being, uh, being, being done for, uh, if they trade that, that chip for Mia, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, you know, we have, uh, the one you mentioned, I need your help, Dom. I need your team. That's the kind of thing. There's certain, uh, kind of lines or storylines that come up in a movie 
or a show where I'm like, if you have something like that in your movie or show, I'm all in. Like I've been, you know, I've been like addicted to, to Mayor of Easttown. And I remember mm-hmm. like in one of the episodes, you know, sorry, spoiler, but like, you know, I don't know. It's not that big a spoiler. This is a, cause it's a trope. It's like, you know, at the end of an episode, she's like, you know, her, the, her boss takes her, Kate Winslet's character's gun and badge and is like, don't you dare investigate, keep investigating this case that the whole show was about. Like, it's like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. we know she just lost her gun and badge. She's going to keep investigating. But like, I, yeah. I'm like, you know what? If you have that scene, I'm in, let's go. And with, with, with Hobbs showing up and being like, I need your help, Dom. I need your team. That's like, for me, if I'm sitting in the theater watching any movie and there's a line like that, I'm like, yes, let's go. I'm in. Get (laughs) the team. Get the team. The crew were after. They hit like thunder and disappear like smoke. You go in alone, you won't ever touch them. Been chasing this guy across four continents and 12 countries. And believe me, the last damn place I want to be right now is on your front doorstep selling Girl Scout cookies. I need your help, Dom. I need your team. And also, I just missed that Dom and Hobbs dynamic. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned on the, you know, on a couple episodes, like I really need, I, I miss that. I miss mm-hmm. those two together. And I hope we get more of that before the franchise wraps up. But that being said, I feel like the winner is ludicrous as Tej's delivery of they got a tank. Like that's yeah. just like, <laughs> and it really, because I feel like was this the start? I mean, maybe the safe was the start of like, just the, them like throwing in a wild like thing that shouldn't be, like you're like wait they're dragging a safe through the streets of Rio and then here it's like wait they like there's a this chase but then there's a tank involved in this chase <laughs> what uh, guys we got to come up with another plan they got a tank I'm sorry did somebody just say a tank and like just, <laughs> and he perfectly captures the audience's feeling like wait a minute a tank like, yeah. I feel like just on paper, it wouldn't have been the line I would pick, but like Ludacris's delivery of it, uh, I think makes that the winner. Yeah, which I feel like applies to so many lines in this franchise is like the way that the actors nail it really just adds so much to it. Because like They Got a Tank doesn't have to become what it did where they get to make a callback to it later, but... I'm invested now. <laughs> when 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 the Tej character finally gets his own tank, I'm very happy for him later. Um, and that, that's all because of the way that Ludacris delivers this line right here. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> I will say, you know, Audible mentioned the best casting for a fake Dom early in the movie, like when they, <laughs> when, they when they show that bald guy at the beginning, uh, and you know they set it up like that's going to be uh, Dom, and then <laughs> from the back you're like you believe it, and then the front you're like, oh, that looks nothing like uh, Not uh, Vin at Diesel all. at all. <laughs> yeah. So uh, well done, at least from the best casting from the back. Um, uh, an award we've done on a few of these, and I think uh, is very fitting here, is is biggest heat check, which, and we've made a few me- uh, references to it, and we talked about sung, but like the long road in, in the mm-hmm. big climactic chase, like having the longest runway in film history, which again I think I googled, and there's been actual studies where apparently that would have been like 26 miles long. Oh my gosh, which can you imagine? I mean, you you we've all you know maybe not as much recently but we've all been on planes and just sitting on a runway for hours being like oh my god can we take <laughs> off already um so imagine like having to like you know not at those 22 miles yeah imagine yeah. just like sitting on that slowly just in line you know waiting for hours to uh, just for your plane to finally take off but the thing is you're in the sequence and it's probably what like 20 30 minutes long and you yeah. never once actually think about it as you're watching it you're not being like mm-hmm. oh man I don't know. Shouldn't they have taken off by now? Like, wouldn't they have run out of runway? No. Like, that's just like, it's funny to think about after the fact, but you're you're fully in it as you're watching it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this movie is 
like you said, they did like the the safe thing in Rio, but at the same time, I feel like this is the first movie where it gets kind of meta, where they're like clearly in on the joke of them becoming superheroes. They're just like, all right, we're just going to push it and see where we go next. And yeah, they can do it because that's who they are. <laughs> um, and I feel like, you know, pushing the suspension of belief to include a super long um, airplane runway scene just to get in all this action is also that like, we're just going to trust the audience to come on that ride with us. And you do like, it's great. It's a good time. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Um, next up, this is one that we haven't done on every episode, but it, I feel like it had to come back for this one. The We Hungry Award. Uh, you know, obviously Tyrese famously, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, even Lucas Black was out here quoting it. Uh, the, <laughs> we, the We Hungry line from Too Fast. And it's fitting because right, also like, we haven't mentioned it either. Like the We Hungry thing could usually apply to Han, who's always snacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we those two things kind of come together. Ty- Roman's appetite and uh, Han's penchant. For, for snacking when we have that whole uh, bit with the vending machine at the, at the yeah. hangout that they all come to. <laughs> and then, you know, Hobbs ends up shooting, uh, shooting it open. Um, so I don't know. That's, a, that's, you know, we, I, that's a funny little bit. I think that, uh, felt fitting for the, for this award. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. It was a nice little callback. Um, also, just speaking of them, I'm glad that we got to see in this movie the team up between those two characters, the Roman and Han. That was really fun in the fight that they lose. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, you actually, I skipped right over where we want to talk about that fight. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, This is not actually an Oscar category, but we like to say which Oscar Fast should have been nominated for. Well, create a best fight scene uh, because it would have to go to the uh, twofer that we get at the same time where we have Gina Carano, Michelle Rodriguez going at it, like just like a, a tussle. Like this is like probably number two behind uh the the Hobbs and uh Shaw yeah. the, Hobbs, the Hobbs and Shaw the Hobbs and Don fight from Fast Five. But then at the same time we get uh Sung, Tyrese and Joe Taslam mm-hmm. going at it n- nearby, but uh Roman and Han are just getting destroyed. Destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Like Han I, we talked about with Sung, like Han finally gets a fight and then he just you know uh doesn't stand a chance. Uh, and then it's played for last perfectly too at the end. They're like, all right, we don't have to tell anybody about this. But yeah. just, um, it's probably the only time we, we've seen Han like frazzle too, like, uh, mm-hmm. or phase. Like he's usually so cool. Um, so I appreciate that. So it's just those two cut together, uh, was just such a great moment. So, you know, Oscars go invent the best fight scene and then retroactively give the first one to Fast Six. Yeah. Cause it deserves it. And I feel like even, even now, like you can cut them a little bit more slack. I mean, this Joe Taslam is sub zero. So how could you have beat him? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but you tried your best. <laughs> that's that's a great point. It's a great point. Um, next up, the holy shit moment of the week. I think there's a few. I I would say that Dom jumping to save Letty during that yeah. tank sequence and like perfectly somehow landing on a car, even though it looks like they probably both should have died. Um, <laughs> it might be the most romantic thing I've ever seen in a film. So uh, yeah, that, that was a good contender. But at, you you mentioned earlier the Statham reveal. You know, mm-hmm. we, we we knew one day we were going to catch up with. Han's quote-unquote death scene in Tokyo Drift. And we finally do here in the mid-credits in uh, Fast 6. But who could have imagined we see the car smash into him just like it did in Tokyo Drift, but then out gets Jason freaking Statham. Like, that's yeah. like in the theater. You're like, holy crap. I don't remember if there was rumors about that or what, but you're like, what? Wait, wait, wait a minute. What is going on here? And then it just sets up, obviously, Statham, you know, is the is the villain in, in Fury Seven, which we'll get into next week, and then you know mm-hmm. he you know has a bit of an evolution, which again maybe you know that's part of why we've gotten the calls of justice for Han. But right. in the moment in that theater, 
you're like, you're literally like, holy shit when he's. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like you. I don't really remember if it was like rumored that he would be in the movie or anything like that. But I, I think because we're also focused on, of course, like being sad that we've just lost Giselle, we know Han is like now going to go to Tokyo and what eventually happens. So I think as a viewer in that moment, you're just like, kind of bummed out that you have to say goodbye to this character. And then that reveal happens and it's like, now my emotions are all over the place. What's coming? What is this? It adds, they're so great at that. It's just like adding another layer to build up that anticipation for what the next adventure is. And that's like a perfect moment of it. I was super shocked. Yeah, no, you're totally right. What's up next, Chanel? Where where are we at here in the awards? All right. So we have to get into the Ja Rule mistake of the week. We didn't really have one last time for Fast Five, but we might have some contenders here. I mean, there's the sort of coincidental thing of, you know, they lose Giselle, they lose Gal Gadot in the movies before she becomes Wonder Woman. Uh, We have to say goodbye to a character that we really love. Um, And... Like you mentioned with the Letty amnesia plot, like that could have gone really wrong. They don't really get too into the amnesia of it all. It's just sort of an explanation for why she hasn't like contacted the team. Um, so that could be something that was just just poorly conceived. But it, I think it works for the most part. So um, I think, though, we kind of have to eat our words a little bit on what I think would have been both of our choice, which is like the random moment where Brian goes back to L.A. And then when he rejoins Dom, Dom's like whatever you found out that's for you like it ends up being like in the movie kind of a useless sidebar you would think but uh but i really liked the explanation that we got for it so it makes a little more sense now yeah the letty amnesia thing on paper i would have been like uh really that's what we're choosing to go with but they pull it off here and then i think it even pays off better in uh furious seven which like yeah. i'm sure we'll talk about more on that episode gal you know yeah we lose giselle but would she have become Wonder Woman? Like if she was still booked up for the future Fast movies, would she her schedule have been cleared to be able to be Wonder Woman? I don't yeah. know. Um, so, you know, as much as we miss that character and her and Han together, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe there's, you know, maybe I, I teased it with, with Song. I'm like, I don't know. Do we can we start the calls <laughs> for her back now? Uh, but I think you're right on the on the Brian uh, random trick back to L.A. Because rewatching it, you're always like, what? This is kind of strange. Like, why is he? Like we're it was basically like a sequel to Fast Four, like a ten minute mm-hmm. sequel to Fast Four, and I didn't dislike what was going on, but it just felt like weirdly placed. And like, yeah. why is you know why is he so removed from the rest of the team? But it feels like we got the explanation last week on the Fast Five episode when Jordana said that she had to be she was very limited with her participation on Six because she was uh, booked up on a t- on a TV show where she was a regular. Mm-hmm. So I would assume maybe there was some more. Brian Mia stuff that would have taken place if Jordana was more available. So right. that ordinarily, like you said, would have been our answer. But maybe we, maybe again, are we two weeks in a row, or maybe we don't actually have a mistake? I, you know, yeah. Um, these movies to to us are pretty uh, bulletproof. So, um, so so we uh, we we end up where we have no notes again. I guess is mm-hmm. uh, is is a good place to be. But lastly, as we always do, we we decide the ultimate winner of Fast Six. And I think there's a lot of contenders. Statham, you know, he's mm-hmm. only in for one scene, but like what this became for him has been huge. Um, Justin Lin and, and Sung, um, you know, this being their swan song as, yeah. as we thought it to be would have been a good way to go out. Um, I know we're, we're excited that both of them are back. So we're glad it wasn't their swan song. But if it had been, and maybe if it was, maybe if, fast, if, maybe if they weren't back for F9, like that, those would be who we would go with. <laughs> yeah. But, 
to me, and we haven't talked a lot about Giselle. We just mentioned Gal. I think Han and Giselle, I think, are, are my my ultimate winners because this is a love story. Like, we all became very attached to these two characters together. And, like, for for her death and his reaction, his silent, stunned reaction there at the end of that runway scene, to mm-hmm. have the emotional impact it did, I don't think any of us could have predicted that. Like, you know, Giselle shows up in four, never interacts with Han. We get them, you know, we get the flirtation and, like, we get the one really fun scene. Like when they go to get the the, the handprint, right? Yeah. Uh, in five, we get some nice flirting, and then we get them in the you know kind of end mon uh, you know montage together, going you know on on the road. But this is where they really establish this relationship and really flesh it out and make it something that we're invested in. To where by the end of this movie, not only are we feeling the Giselle loss, but we're feeling Han's loss. And mm-hmm. like I said, just every time when we get to the end of that runway. And we see Han. Everyone celebrate. Oh, Dom made it out. Blah blah blah. We saved the day. And and Han is just standing there, speechless. Like his, his the look on it. I think it's a great great job by Sung playing this moment. And then you know Mia just turning to him and be like, "Where's Giselle? Yeah, where's Giselle?" And then you're like, "Oh my god!" Like and then then Mia and Brian go, both go over and and hug Han as he's just like again just speechless. And again, Sung said he thinks that's the last time he ever. Hugged Paul, which yeah. is, adds even a more emotional moment now. Us, you know, anytime we mm-hmm. rewatch it. So for me, I, that that love story just really came together here and just added those emotional beats that really make this movie stand out from others. I think so. I don't know. I end up with Han and Giselle. Do, are you? Are you? Do you agree with that thinking? I think you're totally right. It they don't like if you were to string out all of the actual scenes that they have, it's probably not that much screen time spent. At least on that relationship. Like, obviously, they're both throughout a number of movies. But if you were just to cut in, like, all the Han and Giselle relationship stuff, it would probably be not that much film. But they sell it so well. And I think that, like, you're talking about that last shot where we see Han just devastated sort of ties it all together. Like, oh, like, that that is a lot of deep feeling, deep caring. I think it's also really impactful that the last we see of her is because she's saving Han's life. Like that's why she lets go. It just adds such a power to this relationship that could have been kind of a side, like throwaway kind of thing, but it gets its due somehow um, without having had a whole lot of time to set it up or really like carry it out. But it, it, it I believe in it. I love it. <laughs> I love this relationship. I was so sad to have it gone. Like even though you know eventually it can't last because he's alone in Tokyo. Um, it, it's a heartbreaker and heartwarming at the same time too, like how much they care about each other. So yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I look forward to seeing, you know, maybe if Giselle gets a mention in F9 or like what kind of impact her loss has had on Han in the years he's been gone. So we can't wait to, uh, to see that and then, you know, talk about it down the road. Speaking of, we've officially reached the end of this episode's runway. Thanks again to the great Sung Kang. And like Brian O'Connor, we hope we earned your respect and that you keep listening to EW's binge of the Fast Saga, when next week we're flying through Furious 7 with a special two-parter, in which we'll be joined by both Michelle Rodriguez and Tyrese Gibson. I'm already excited and sad just thinking about it. See you again then. In the meantime, please subscribe and listen along every week wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, tell us what you think, share it with your friends and family. You can find us on Twitter at Derek J. Lawrence or me at Chanel Berlin. Also head to EW.com for complete coverage of the Fast Saga and full episode transcripts. 
This episode was hosted and produced by Derek Lawrence and Chanel Berlin-Johnson, produced, edited, and mixed by Sammy Junio, and executive produced by Carly Usden and Shana Naomi Krokmom. Thanks for listening, and until next time, salute me podcast familia.